feel real good, all right? Most dope. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games for the evening fam what a 15 days it has been in Flyerland. what's up steph you already you already look confused i had a very strange noise in my ear oh okay but it's gone now all right it, i was just making sure you could hear me that's I my can. voice yeah and it was that was not the strange <laughs> it sounded like noise. a drum roll uh, it was it, you heard it too it did it was right. weird over the last 15 days, the Flyers have skated with and defeated some of the best teams in hockey. We have a jam-packed show for you tonight, so let's get right into it. Let's lead it off with Canada's own Kelly Hinkle. So I didn't know how much I needed the Flyers to go into this break on a high note, but I felt like my whole body just felt lighter after that win. It was so nice. It, it, Especially against that team, like it was impossible now to like not be pumped about this team for nine days while we wait for them to come back. Yeah, and I want to get into the rivalry with the Penguins a little bit uh, in a few minutes later in the show, but it just seems like that win was a long time coming, and it was much needed. It felt bigger than two points in the middle of January. Uh, that's just how I felt about the game. I'll get everyone else's opinion on it, but uh, first, let me introduce theAthletic.com's own Charlie O'Connor. So I think we're probably going to talk about this uh, during the show, but I, I want to make this very clear. Like, I, I know this is eventually going to even itself out because the way the NHL sets up their schedule, you know, everybody plays all their division games in the final 30 games of the year because they want to make these playoff races super intense. But it, it is legitimately annoying that the Flyers are technically out of a playoff spot, despite the fact that they're tied for 11th in terms of the best record in the NHL because only three Western Conference teams are actually any good from a record standpoint. How and, goddamn and, bad is yeah, the Pacific? And, 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 six, and six Metro teams are in the top 12. Like, this is insane. And it, it'll even itself out because the Metro teams are going to play each other and then the better teams are going to go up and the worst teams are going to go down. But, like, we're 50 games into the season. And it's this crazy. There's stuff. three Western teams in it's the nuts. top. 10. It's nuts. <laughs> That's absolutely freaking ridiculous. Last but certainly not least, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. So the trade deadline is coming up, kind yeah, about of. A, about a month. Kind of coming up. I it's approaching. Don't want the Flyers to do anything. Like, nothing. And I know that that's an unpopular opinion because they should be adding depth, but. They can add depth from Lehigh Valley as far as I'm concerned. If, if we've got Morgan Frost not playing in the NHL, that's an easy solution. I don't want them to do anything as of right now. I can see. I'm not going to disagree with you out of hand as okay. uh, maybe I would have last week. Um, I like the way things are set up now. Yeah. I think if they go and get a third or fourth line piece, it's not the end of the world as long as you don't give up like first round pick for a rental or something. But I'm kind of... 
really interested to see what this group can do. And That's I my do, thought, too. I do want to see if Scott Lawton and Nicholas Alvey-Cubell and all these guys, like, maybe are worth their roster spot. I, You know, it's, and, and it's this isn't the year to go all in exactly, at all. Exactly. And, and people tend to think that, and I understand why they think that I'm really negative about this team, and I'm, I'm not. Um, but, you know, they're not, they're probably not going to win the cup this year. So why are you going to spend assets on a rental when really this is the first year that this group has been together? Like, let's push it through, see what happens in the playoffs and, and build on that next year. I am. Um, I'm annoyed today, guys. Uh, I'm annoyed I, for one. I'm shocked. Uh, yeah. I was, if you listen to my post game last night, I couldn't have been more joyed. I went to bed last night slash early this morning with visions of sugar plums dancing in my <laughs> head. I was as, as high as high could be on this team. And I still am about their prospects uh, for the rest of the season. But man, last night, game number 50, the Flyers put a stamp on the unofficial first half by shutting out the their biggest rival, and one of the best teams in hockey, declaring for all that after these last 15 days, they are, in fact, at the very least, a good team. We've been waiting for this for eight seasons. And what's today's biggest story? Fucking gritty. <laughs> I love gritty. I am a fan of gritty. I tweeted about gritty all day because this story is hilarious. But goddammit, today... We have to worry about the ridiculous crack-smoking Muppet mascot that we have today? The day after we shut out the Penguins? This is what we're focusing on? I don't want to spend too much time on it because we really need to get into this team that, my God, they might actually be good for the first time in forever. But really, is this what we're doing, Kelly? This is what we're doing. Why? Because... The world is extremely stupid and everyone wants to get clicks. We were talking about it before the show, but the, the funniest part is, in fact, that they just kept saying Gritty did a thing. Yeah, it was all Gritty. Like, we were, we're really, Gritty did a crime. We're really treating Gritty as if he's, like, his own entity. He's a real He's, he's a, a real, real person. Thing. He's a real person. If we're going to go with this, if we're going to go with this, can we, like, get a Gritty mugshot? Can we get gritty like walking Seriously. into the police station in handcuffs? Like, let's go all in on this thing because like, you know you what? A... Clearly, that that article wanted us to believe that gritty was a was a person. Yeah, put the handcuffs on him with like the coat draped over them so he looks dignified. <laughs> I want like it's, an it's Aaron a... Hernandez style documentary oh about God. this. We yes. could probably make that happen. By the way, <laughs> this is it's just it's it's amazing. For for many reasons. Number one, because it is the most fake thing I've ever seen. Like, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. It is so ridiculous. This man says that Gritty, Gritty, not the person inside Gritty, no. not the human being, but Gritty punched his child, his 13-year-old child, as hard as he could in the back. Good. Running punch. Running punch. Yeah, like I'm picturing a Roman Reigns Superman punch. (laughs) (laughs) And as far as we know, the person inside Gritty is an adult human being. An adult human being punching a child as hard as they could in the back is going to cause some issues, right? Like, probably. You you, you would think that some of the other people in the room might have taken issue with him running at a child. 
so gritty also has squeakers in his hand. That was the first thing I thought of was like in trying to picture this in my head, like every time I saw it, there was a squeak. Like, how could there not be? Like, I, it, it, like someone would have seen. But the man who was really, really concerned about his child, really concerned about his child, first complained that Gritty wasn't looking at the camera in the photo sh- in the photo opportunity. <laughs> like Outrageous. that was the priority. Gritty is not looking at the camera. And then a week later, took his child to the chiropractor. And Kelly knows. Kelly knows more than anybody how I feel about chiropractors. And it's They're my, voodoo. My opinion is not favorable. Um, they don't do anything, but they crack your back real nice. Right. They can also give you strokes, but that's whatever. Another thing. Don't let chiropractors crack your neck. That's to everybody listening. Um, To the chiropractor, which is not really a physician. If you're really that concerned over your child's welfare, why are you taking them to a chiropractor? That was the first, like, obviously this whole thing's ridiculous. But the first red flag to me was like, when I read the word chiropractor, it's like, yeah, that's where you took your son who got assaulted by a grown man? Yeah. Like, you, <laughs> your buddy's a chiropractor, right? That's what happened? That's, that's what happened. That's, I don't know. I wasn't there. I, I'm just annoyed. I, uh, I just, the whole the whole story is presented, like, I, I guess what cracks me up about it the most is the entire story by the guy who wrote it for the Inquirer, it's presented basically as a joke. Like, uh-huh. like. They kind of want to have it both ways, where they want it to be this like expose where gritty assaulted this thirteen-year-old kid, but also the entire story is written as if it's a parody. It's just it, it. This whole thing was just so weird. I'm picturing the editor of the Inquirer as J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> being like, we need to expose the gritty. He's actually a villain. Yes, like that's what. <laughs> no, he's a. He's a. I told you, it's him and Doc Ocker in cahoots. <laughs> like that's what I'm picturing. I know this thing, man. And that's I'm gonna. I'm done with this now. We're moving on. Uh, because, on to the hockey. Yeah, on to the. Let's do that hockey. Uh, Fifty games in. The Flyers have, like, their best record since 2011-12, which subsequently is the last time they won a playoff series. They have uh, 60 points through 50 games. That's a nice, even 600 points percentage. They look pretty good. They have beaten some and skated with some really good teams over the last two-ish weeks. So I just want to ask, what's your impression of this team through the first 60-ish percent of this season? How are you feeling? I love Kevin Hayes. Yeah. And I never, oh, God, like, so I've talked about shit. this so much on this podcast, but I will never get over how much I love Kevin Hayes and how much of a shock that is. Like, it's a shock Seriously. to my system. I, I didn't expect that. I love Carter Hart. And, oh, my God, Travis Konechny is my son. My world revolves around Travis Konechny. It's nice to see what he's doing. Um They've been looking for one of these breakout stars. I don't, I'm not saying he's like a generational talent or anything, but, man, it's nice to have an all-star whose name isn't Drew or Voracek. Like, no, we have another legitimate one. Yeah. Like, he is this good. And they have him on what is increasingly looking Damn like a reasonable. great contract. Uh, it's a good team. And this kind of goes back to what I was saying at the start of the show, that it's it's frustrating to me that the, that the, the standings are so screwy because – it should be it should be easier for us to say without qualification that the Flyers are a good team. But the the, the thing that like the skeptics will come back at, at you with is that how can you say they're a good team? They, the season ends today, they wouldn't make the playoffs. It's like you can't watch this team and not think they're good. Here, Charlie, that's I always love that because 
It's the same people that yell at people like you. Watch the games. <laughs> like, all right, you're just looking at the standings. You're clearly not watching the games. That's well, they uh, just they, they just want to yell. Yeah, they they want to yell and they want to be. They're angry still mad about the last seven years. Yeah, well, it's also just, it's become their shtick. Like yeah. there's there, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a there's a type of sports fan that like. Aside from a championship, the championship is the only thing that, that would flip this. But aside from a championship, they would rather be right than the team be good. Yeah. If, if the team mm-hmm. was a championship, that's that's one thing. That's when they will change their mind. But until that point, it's basically like, you know, I'd rather be right that Ben Simmons actually sucks than Ben Simmons actually have good games and be good. Because then I will look dumb for saying that he's bad and he can't play and he's a coward and all this other crap. And that's the way it is and all. It's the same with Claude Giroux. Like, Claude Giroux could have a great game, but because they've, they've stuck their, their flag in the sand that Claude Giroux is a bad captain and he's overrated and team can't win with him, that... It doesn't even make them happy when he does well. I am still... And, 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 and three years ago, I would have said that that's not the case, that fans aren't like that. I have dealt with enough fans as a professional writer that I can say with certainty that there is a significant portion... Not a significant, but there is there is a there's a not insignificant portion of sports fans in general, Philadelphia sports fans specifically, that absolutely take that approach to their sports watching. And like to this day, Charlie, to that point, I am like, the Flyers are good, every, and people are happy, things are going well... But I still, like, it's not even like, strip the C, he sucks. It's just like, hey, uh, you think maybe they take it off of him and give it to Sean Couturier? Why? Yeah, but the thing is that... Why would they do that? It's like like the whole backup quarterback thing. Like, the the most favorite player on a team is the guy who you want to give the C to, but once he gets the C, then they'll hate him. That's so we can... (laughs) So then we can blame our net... Like, that's... So you want to blame Sean Couturier when they lose instead of Drew? Like, that's what you want? Exactly. Why would we ever want any... Like... Oh my! It just no. One thing, one thing I was thinking about though, um, I think it was actually during the game last night, is that you know, as as Steph has made clear, and she's absolutely right, like this is not a great team. This is not a a Stanley Cup contender unless Carter Hart goes on a crazy run yeah. in the playoffs, or they just get you know all the bounces the way some teams do in the playoffs. But they're certainly not going to if they make the playoffs. They're certainly not going to go into the playoffs with the tag of being one of the favorites. And I think we all can sure. agree with that. That said. This is what last year should have been. I think that's what it boils down to. This season mm-hmm. is what last year should have been had Ron Hextall not blown off the goaltending position. That's totally fair. Like That's what yeah. this year is. This year is what last year should have been. Yeah. No, I, I never thought about it like that. And I think that had last year been like this, m- my feelings would be a lot different. Fair my feelings would be a lot different because last year was the season that they were supposed to take a step forward. And had they had fired Hackstall that that summer, that summer and gone into last season with a new coach, whether I I think, I I mean, Vigneault has done a really good job with this team. So I'm just going to say if they had gone into last season with Vigneault, I mean, they could have, right? They could have. Vigneault was fired. Yeah. Vigneault was fired. So, yeah, um, I, I think that my feelings about this team had this season. Well, this now this is I'm, I'm doing mental gymnastics. So the season that they're having this year, had it have happened last year and this season was identical to the one that they're having, my feelings would be completely different because they actually did take the step forward uh, as opposed to taking the step back and everything right. being chaos last year. 
That's really interesting. I, I didn't think about it like that. It just that. feels like, because this is about what I expected for last year. Obviously, yeah. you know, they mishandled the goaltending situation. In retrospect, they absolutely, you know, Dave Haxel absolutely wasn't the right guy. And for some reason, they just thought, well, we'll just run it back with the league's worst penalty kill and it'll be better. And it was awful for the first half of the year. So, like, but you look at it, that's what's changed. That's what's changed this year. You know, maybe they're a little bit deeper. You know, a couple of the prospects are, were closer this year to making an impact. Joel Farabee, Morgan Frost, Nick Albeck. Bell, obviously Carter Hart, you know, those guys were closer a year later, so they were more likely to have an impact this year. But you look at it like, what's better this year? The the head coach is better. The penalty kills better. The goaltending is better. Team's better. But that, that, the yeah, team that's is why. Yeah. The center depth <laughs> yeah, is better yeah, yeah. with Kevin Hayes, who I will never stop talking about. Um, the defense doesn't have Andrew McDonald. That helps. Is, it that helps. Hurt. But even, you know, even talking about the center depth, like, Last year, they had Nolan Patrick. Like, do I think Kevin Hayes is better than Nolan Patrick was last year? Absolutely. But they still, last year, they still had that, like, they still had two centers instead of three. This year, because Nolan Patrick can't play, they still have two centers instead of three. Like, they're not, the roster isn't that much different than last year, aside from goaltending because Dave Carter Hart and because Brian Elliott hasn't spent most of the year hurt. Vino is much better than Haxtell, and the penalty kill is actually very good. That's, those are the big differences. I, uh, I I take a it's interest the idea of because we had a lot of contentious shows uh, not at this point but like right before the Hackstall firing well sure everybody was mad. yeah everyone was just mad oh we were but just mad it's at everything. because in the preseason I and in the off season we talked a lot about how I we felt that it, it was Hackstall's feeling hey if you can't fix everything don't fix anything. And by going out and getting JVR, it seemed like, okay, we spent some money in free agency. That means mm-hmm. this team's ready to take a step. And then they did not. And the idea of this year should have been last year is, uh, I agree with that very strongly. But my feeling right now is just really optimistic about the immediate future. Uh, they're, they're, looking, they're looking good right now. And... Over the previous six seasons, on average, the Flyers have increased their points percentage by uh, .045 in the final 32 after the first 50. So if they do their average late-season push better than in the first half or in the first 50 games, they're going to end up with like 101 points. Now, given the way the standings are working out, they might be a fucking 100-point team that misses the playoffs (laughs) and then will go back to fixing things because the NHL doesn't fix things until they're dead and buried. Until it's broke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. But, man, just thinking about what this team could be and what they're doing right now, they're doing it without Carter Hart. They're doing it without Nolan Patrick. Imagine if Patrick comes back at some point and gives you anything. Joel Farabee just got back up into the top six. Imagine if he plays the way he did last night for the majority of these last 32 games. Imagine if Jay VR just keeps looking great with TK and Giroux. Hey, this is the guy we're paying $7 million. Which he very might, considering the fact that the entire first half, he was still getting scoring chances, yeah. and he's still been good on the at even strength. So, I, I do I expect JVR is going to keep doing what he's done the last two games? No, no but I oh. think I, I've always expected by the end of the year he's going to have 30 goals. Yeah, I still believe. Imagine if Sanheim, because I kind of found his first half disappointing. I wouldn't his say it was bad, was, it was but rough. it was disappointing. It was, it was shaky. Imagine if he goes on a scoring streak. Just a little, just a little run. Uh, maybe go Ghost comes back and gives you literally anything. They're doing it without the guy who's supposed to be their leading scorer defenseman. Like, I just look at this team. Maybe it's afterglow after shutting out the Pittsburgh Penguins. Can't say it enough. That happened just last night. They shut out the Penguins, who are very good. I know we've been like, 
expecting the demise of this team over the last few years. It's not happening. They're excellent. The Flyers allowed 19 shots and zero goals to them last night. So I'm just feeling real good. I don't. Someone asked me last night after this one, do you feel that this team is a cup contender? And I'm grounded enough to say, like everyone basically said, if the playoffs started today, just imagine they were in. If it started today, would I consider them a favorite? No. But it Anything doesn't you don't happen. have to be a favorite in the NHL. No. You need a hot goalie. And Carter Hart He's shown that he could be really good for weeks at a time. I mean, everyone is going to use for the rest of all time, and it's going to really start grating my nerves. It already has. But everyone is going to use the St. Louis Blues as the example that anything can happen. You could be worse in the league and then go win, to Stan- win the Stanley Cup, which is annoying. Um, Look at the coach firings. Remember how we were like, hey, how come there are no coach firings? And then this year, every coach is pretty fired. Now, now, certainly some extenuating circumstances in some of these firings, but there's still been like eight. Yeah. I just just think with that, like the the thing thing that people don't add in there with the Blues, which I mean, yeah, they were in January. They were terrible at the beginning of January. And then they go on this crazy run. But. The entire, like the last 35 games of the year, the Blues played like one of the best teams in hockey. That was the big thing. So when they hit the playoffs, yeah, if you looked at their overall record and their overall season, it wasn't that great. But if you looked at how they performed for the two and a half months prior to the start of the postseason, they were one of the three best teams in hockey. If the Flyers over the next two and a half months of the season are playing like one of the best two or three teams in hockey, then yes, I absolutely would consider them a cup contender. Absolutely. I don't, I don't yeah. think they will, but if they do, then sure. Let's yeah. go with that. So I was on, this is kind of related. I was on the Philly sports table show last week. We've all been on it. They're yeah. great guys. Please, yeah, yeah. please give them a listen. Um, and we were talking about the trade deadline and that's what I opened with. If Nolan Patrick can come back and and Chuck Fletcher mentioned that he expects him to play, you know, we'll see. Um, That is the perfect, not trade deadline acquisition, but essentially that's going to be the perfect boost to get this team through the end of the season and into the playoffs. If he can make it back and if he's healthy enough to play the way that we know that he can, that would be fucking phenomenal. Yeah, and if you look at what the Flyers have cap space-wise and what most people are willing to sacrifice assets-wise, Nolan Patrick is about as good as you're going to get. Yeah, if, yeah. If, I'd say so. If he's healthy and, you know, doing what he's supposed to be doing, that could be one of those, like, give up nothing for a trade deadline player, like you said. Uh, astounding. If he's able to come back, like, could you imagine a bigger boost to, to the team, like, morale than having yeah, Nolan I, Patrick come back. I, I agree it would be a boost for morale. Like, other than having Oscar Lindblom yeah. come back, that, <laughs> that would, would be, be the ultimate. Miraculous. But yeah. we don't want yeah, that no, to happen. He needs to take care of himself. Yeah. We we want it to happen eventually, just not this season. Take care of yourself. Whatever. You know what I'm saying. But yeah. that would be the biggest boost to morale to see Nolan Patrick back on that ice. All right. Uh, I want to talk about that game last night, but really I want to talk about the rivalry with the Penguins. Um... It hasn't been much of a rivalry lately, really, since the Flyers beat them in that series in 2012. One franchise has gone one way, the other has gone another. Um, it hasn't really been an on-ice rivalry, but it is still the Keystone State thing. They play each other on national TV, they play each other in outdoor games, and there is just that natural hatred that the two cities have for each other in terms of sports. I want to know if 
Uh, Kelly, you talked uh, you you talked to uh, the Pensburg people for um, for checking out mm-hmm. the competition. What is their take on the rivalry as it stands right now? So I asked him because for me, like I used to think about Flyers Pens games a lot, and like a loss would ruin my month until the next one. Um, but you know, once the Flyers got bad and the Pens got really good, it was kind of hard to think of it as a rivalry because there was not really any competition there. Um, so I kind of assumed that for Pens fans, it's got to be even more, right? Like they've won the cups. They're the good team. Why would they still waste their time hating the flyers? Turns out they absolutely do, <laughs> which is kind of great. Um, apparently they still just like they always did get super pissy about a flyers game. And uh, yeah, they, they just have that little brother mentality like we yeah. do maybe I with New York yeah. and how we look at Boston's success. Pittsburgh, no matter how many titles they win, you know, they're not really a city. They're yeah. a nice little town. They still don't have a basketball team. Yeah, they don't have a basketball team. Are they a nice little town? Oh, they got some bridges and uh, <laughs> middling. You can get an OK yeah. cup of coffee at the, 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 uh, the baseball, Campbell Soup Guy the Artist baseball, Museum. Baseball park is beautiful. Yeah, baseball park is real nice. A lot of people from West Virginia go to Pittsburgh like for fun <laughs> is the meth good in pittsburgh is that what you're saying <laughs> ouch i don't know <laughs> maybe here west virginia i think maybe they're trafficking it in maybe that could be that's got to be it uh because i just like i said in the open last night just felt bigger than two points in the middle of january um I, you know it's the last game to kind of cap off that crazy run that they had in the middle of this month and it's been a Crazy season just in terms of the inconsistency of the Flyers that play all these good teams. It ends with Pittsburgh. So there's one thing that could have killed all of our morale, and it was another 7-1 loss at the hands of Pittsburgh, especially on home ice, especially now that Eagles season's over. Flyers-Pittsburgh. People are watching who yeah. aren't just listeners of Broad that, Street that, that, That's the point I was going to make. I, yeah. You jumped in and stole oh, it. But I made this point you know, on the show in the past that – Especially in the Hexall era, I guess I'll say, in the Ron Hexall yeah. era, the Flyers had a tendency when when everyone was watching them, that's when they would play their absolute worst. Mm-hmm. You know, game one of a playoff series, they'd get killed. And then, you know, all the casual fans would be like, ah, they're going to lose this series. And then they'd win game two. And they'd come back in game three. It's like, well, I'll, I'll watch them. You know, maybe maybe that game one was just a fluke. And they get blown out again. Like, home openers, they would get blown out. It just seemed like whenever they had a chance to convince casual fans, the Flyers would play their absolute worst. And this was a game like that. You know, it was funny that the, the press box last night was packed because most of the NHL is on by. Yeah. You, know, you had a bunch of reporters that were just there because like they're national reporters. And what else were they going to cover? There's nothing else to cover. Might as well go see Flyers Penguins. And I think it was the same thing for a lot of uh, a lot of people in the area, too, where, you know, as you said, Eagles are done. Phillies aren't started yet. The Sixers are the Sixers. You know, people are into them probably more than they are the Flyers, but it's not like the Sixers have lived up the expectations so far either. So, hey, you get a Flyers-Penguins game. Why not Why not see if this team might be better than I think they are? And the Flyers went out there and just flat out took it to the Penguins. You know, maybe it wasn't... The only thing I'll say is that maybe it wasn't the most, like, aesthetically pleasing game in the world, but they just worked them. But that's really what I liked about that one last night is that it wasn't some stupid scramble and at the end of a whirlwind, the Flyers won 6-5. to five. Like, they just happened to score more goals at the end of some silly-ass game. There weren't three different multi-goal swings. One team's up two, the other team's up three. Like, that never happened. There weren't six fights or an unlikely comeback. The Flyers came out, 
played their game, dictated the pace, and shut down one of the best teams in the league. Like, would I do I miss the old Mike Richards and Scott Hartnell era games against yeah, Matt Cook and against James Neal? Sure, I they were truly, fun as shit. Truly, do. But last night was the first time it was like they could beat them in a series. Because no, none sure of could. those none of those teams could ever beat the Penguins in the series. They did in 2012, and that's because Flurry, like I don't know, was drunk the whole time or something. Uh, I don't know. 2012 <laughs> was the best year to be a Flyers fan. Period. Yeah. I I don't think that that's actually historically accurate, but at me, like, go ahead, tell me what was better. <laughs> like people because are was, that uh, was so much fun. It was a fun year, and it was also because like we were kind of at an age where you know you can really really get into no it. like Xfinity opened up yeah. for that playoff series. Did it really? Yeah, I was there like the first where night. Really, I, I did get back inside. I didn't go to Xfinity the first time for yeah, like it was years after it opened. But <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take your word for it that it opened for that series. Yeah, yeah the, the thing with the Flyers right now, and again, this is this is seemingly is going to be a positive show. So I will say, like, we're not, you know, it's not a guarantee the Flyers make the playoffs. We think they have a good chance. It's not a guarantee. They're not in a playoff spot right now. However, if they do, like, the reason why I don't consider the Flyers a cup contender is because this inconsistency just has been a problem all year. I don't see them holding strong play for two months like you have to do in the playoffs. Yeah. That said, I think in a, in a first round series, they could beat anybody. I'm not mm-hmm. kidding. Like in a first round series, the Flyers over a two week period can play great. And I think they could beat anybody. They'll probably lose in the second round because then they'll go back to playing like crap. But I think they could possibly beat anyone in the conference. And they'd probably run into like Washington. I think it'd be, they like could that. be Washington. They, I think they I can think play they with anybody that I think they've kind of proven that again, they are, they have been a bit inconsistent. So you can't just say, a on bit. A, yeah, well, <laughs> you're at being, home. They're fucking excellent. I don't know, man. Well, I, you know what? You know what will happen? In they the really need that two seed in, in the playoffs. They'll lose all their home yes. games and only win the road. Oh, games. Without a doubt. <laughs> they will, they will go. zero three at home and win a game seven yes. on the road. Yes. 100%. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Uh, well, what's going to happen? I can think, of worse things like that's fine oh, yeah I, that I can, good to me. it's fine any sort of i always say i'd rather watch 86 games than 82 like even if it's worst case scenario they get swept out of the first round now that's i want much more because we haven't seen the second round since 20 freaking 12 but i just want to see extra hockey this year i like the extra hockey what's going to happen right now is we are going to pause for a quick ad break and we'll be back on the other side talk about some individual performances last night and over this little string of games so just give us a second pay them bills and we'll be right back as charlie laughs at me all right fam we are back and i want to lead this off with uh, a guy we talked about for briefly uh in the first portion of the show but joel faraby faraby we know was the 14th overall pick in 2018 i want to say that's yeah. what he was? Something yes, like that. 2018. Yeah, 2018. Uh, a lot of fanfare when he made the team after four games in the AHL or something like that. Uh, started out strong. The scoring kind of dried up, but he never came out of the lineup, really. The coaches seemed to be impressed enough with the rest of his game that they thought he'd figure out the offense. We're going to keep him in the lineup rather than send him down like Morgan Frost. And it appears to have paid off. Uh, Michael Roffel gets injured against L.A., and all of a sudden, Farabee's got a couple goals in a couple games. He's right back up on that top line with Sean Couturier and Jake Voracek. And God damn, does he look good. I love that him. That line is great. Go ahead, Kelly. 
I was just going to say, I really like that line. The the new lines, the top two lines, I've really enjoyed them. I didn't think I would, but I do. No, I, I do like, Bill, I, I like your uh, your comparison. Your comparison here of mm-hmm. TK in his, in his first year and a half. I, I like that comparison for Farabee because, you know, one thing that, that I was mildly surprised about with Farabee, I, I, I watched him a lot you know, a lot pre-draft, you know, a decent amount post-draft. And he always struck me as a guy who I thought, I think, eventually will become a guy who drives play, you know, who pushes the shot and chance differential in a real positive direction. He hasn't so far. He hasn't done that. You know, the offense has been impressive. He's had stretches where he's been an incredible passer. He's had stretches where he's created a ton of scoring chances, got a lot of goals uh, over, you know, short periods of time. The play driving hasn't been there yet. And I think it's in part because... The ways that he drives play, he's just not quite like strong enough as a player to do it yet. You know, he's so relentless on the forecheck, but he hasn't been able to establish this amazing forechecking ability because he just doesn't have the strength to knock guys off the puck like he's going to be able to do in two or three years. So in the short term, while he's not able to do that, and I do think that will come. I, I do trust that I I evaluated him correctly in terms of his strengths and weaknesses as a player. But until that comes, he's going to need some support. And that's why this line he's on right now, you know, as a result of the Roffel injury with Couturier and Voracek, it, it seems like a really good idea because yeah. he has the offensive ability. He has the creativity that we've seen. You put him with Sean Couturier, the play driving issues get fixed because you put anybody with Sean Couturier and they're going to drive play because he's Sean Couturier. And he does win his fair share of battles with a smart stick and good body positioning. His hockey sense is pretty strong. Um, yeah, is he is he physically strong enough? Like he's no, he's not yet. He's nineteen year old kid playing a bunch of playing against a bunch of freaking men. And I think he's, he's a get, college sophomore. Like yeah, and and I think he's going to get faster too. Yeah, because he remind me not not I'm expecting him to take a gigantic leap skating wise, but. There's nothing wrong with his stride. I just don't think he's strong enough to take full advantage of it yet. He's only 19. Look at the gigantic jump in skating ability that Oscar Limblom made from a year after he was drafted to when he hit the NHL. You know, he was a terrible skater, and he just got stronger and got better. And then even this year, before obviously the, the horrible news came out, he looked like a legitimately solid skater. Yeah, He, he was yeah. actually beating people with his speed, which was impossible to think. Three years ago, two years ago, even his and skating I, was bad. Yeah, and I think Farabee will improve that. And I think as he improves his, his strength, as he improves his speed, he's going to push shot and chance differentials in a more positive direction. But for now, hey, put him with Sean Gattari. Let, let just let them dominate. Doctor Coots. Here we go. Uh, like that's uh, the TK comparison. When I was watching him last night. I first thought back to the uh, to the preseason when when Elaine Vigneault was asked about the role Farabee and Frost were in in the preseason. He's like, well. They're point producers, so I'm going to put them in point-producing roles. If like They're not going to be grinders in this league, so why would I put them in that role? They're not going to score with Nicholas Albe Cubell, so that's pointless. And, you know, Farabee just kind of didn't earn that time in the regular season, so he does get moved down in the lineup. But as soon as you put him back up there, you see that potential. Is he carrying a line yet, like TK was in his first uh, you know, year and a half? No, he wasn't. But... 
put him with two good guys, and you get the best version of that player. And it's really, I think, helping the depth issues because it allows you to spread out the talent a little. And suddenly, Hayes can be that three C with uh, you know G playing a much better uh, role at center, I think, this year than last year. But just really impressed with what Far. I thought, even though he had the goals in the two previous games, I thought Faraby stood out so much in uh, in the Pittsburgh game, just creating chance after chance. Yeah, after Konechny's first year, even second year, people were really frustrated that he couldn't drive play and he couldn't necessarily be the guy on a line. So I think that that comparison is pretty good. Yeah, I, I just like seeing him, seeing getting the best version of him just by putting him with some really good players, yeah. I think really just helped out. Yeah. Uh, Steph, I, uh, I know you want to talk endlessly about Kevin Hayes. Uh, my only, I do. I, my, I'm in love with him. My only note here is eggplant emoji. Uh, that fucking penalty kill. That penalty kill last night. Oh, my God. He's changed my life. <laughs> I didn't know that the Flyers, the Flyers were capable of having a good penalty kill. It's, it's been a while. And one, I that, do remember the days, but it's been a while. Like you can, instead of wishing for those two minutes, just to go by, give the other team the goal and just negate the two minutes. They can kill the, 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 the power play. Like they can kill it. it it's amazing. It's amazing. He's changed my life. Kevin Hayes. <laughs> Kevin Hayes for president. Thank you. It's just funny how he does, you know, once every couple games, he has one of those shifts where you he just starts rolling through the defense and with, you know, on, on the penalty kill <laughs> and they just can't get the puck from. And it's great. Like, it is a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, he just kind of lumbers around and they're like sticking their <laughs> sticks out, trying to take it from him. And he's like, nah, I'm just going to keep on skating. No, that's we talked about it, I think, last show. It was last week because I looks, was listening to it. He <laughs> looks slow. And then, like, there's three feet yeah. where there wasn't any. He yeah, was yeah. behind the guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I said this on, on a post game last night. He's not Mike Richards. Mike Richards was legitimately, I mean, he had two three on five goals in one season. Yeah. yeah. He was legitimately like, the most fun penalty killer I ever saw, but he's easily the best I've seen since Mike Richards here. Like it, it's, it's fun to watch. It's not uh, just concede the goal and save me the goddamn sanity. Like Steph said, like it's, uh, I think they can do it and they might actually be able to draw some momentum out of doing it by making plays like that, like that Giroux. Uh, and I just think that helps the morale. Like such little things are better with this team this year. And like Giroux being able to joke around after the game, like, oh yeah, everyone on the bench is sitting there yelling, you know, get the puck deep and it makes me nervous, but he does it. Like, I just think that draws everyone a little closer together. Just having those moments of like being able to joke around because he did make the play. He's amazing. Sean Couturier is continuing. Also amazing. His, is continuing his assault on the best centers in the league. Um, man, because last even uh, even uh, God, uh, Milbury last night was talking about how um, uh, good defensively Sean Couturier is, how he's such a good two-way player. But they also talked about uh, Crosby in the pregame and talked about how he's maybe still the best player in the world. And listen, uh, McDavid is electric. He's a lot of things, but I think he still has to rip it away from uh from Crosby it just in my mind like mm. when it wins he and, has uh, yes and no yeah, for I me he has too. yeah he has and he hasn't for me I just think he needs to accomplish a little bit more uh but that's on you know the people who run the Edmonton Oilers neither here nor there we're talking about Sean Couturier watching Couturier take it to Sidney Crosby last night was just a thing of freaking beauty like 
How often do you see Sidney Crosby get poke checked? Never. Well, because I saw Sean it last Couturier night. A few, a few I saw times. it last night. I, I, I know we all think Sean Couturier is the man. Like that's a that's a that's a consensus around here. But is he even a little better than we think? Maybe. Like, is his prime? Has he not reached his absolute peak? No, I, I think this is his peak. But it's a damn good peak. Yeah. I, I think that's what it boils down. This is him at full powers and. You know, it's funny you talk about well, who does that to you know, who does that to Sidney Crosby. It was a great game. He played great against Sidney Crosby. It didn't shock me in the slightest. No, and, and maybe it should have because mm-hmm. it is still Sidney Crosby. Even though I will say, like the guys playing, th- the guy basically got the surgery that Drew didn't want to get, but or that Simmons didn't want to get, but was going to have to get. So like the rest of this year is not going to be the Sidney Crosby of old. Because did you see those previous? four games yeah I, I, i'm just saying i i, I know I I, I I do i think that like i i, I think agree. a lot of people in pittsburgh are underrating the fact that like this isn't an injury that you just fix and is no, better yeah. like it's going to take time he's not going to be as explosive as he as he was before probably until next year but anyway back to couturier he's really freaking good and every time he goes up against a top center he owns them like you just you just expect it every time he owns them and i think part of it is he, he probably just gets up for these games he just seems to get up for these games against these guys that everybody talks about. He's just like, oh yeah, you know, like he's not Kateri's not a cocky guy, but he's he's a he's got pride. He's a pr- yeah, yeah, he's, he's a he's, proud player. He's not cocky, but you can see the confidence in his face. Oh, absolutely. He knows he's as good as these guys. Absolutely, one hundred percent. They ain't shit, is what Sean <laughs> Couturier thinks, and he's right. We we really, as Broad Street Hockey and the Athletic need to really start pushing Sean Couturier for Selkie. The Selkie. Like, I think, like yes. as, as a collective between our two groups, like <laughs> we really need to start pushing this. I mean, uh, these, these trophies are whatever at the end of the day. I, 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 I don't, Bill? I want to win the, no. the big one. Right. But it's, we're, we're pushing I remember, for Couturier for Selkie. I remember when the devils beat the ducks in the Stanley cup final and the devil's fans booed. Cause uh, Jaguar got the con Smythe and Marty Brodeur just turned around to the crowd and was like, we're getting the fucking cup. Just relax. Like the individual stuff is great. Uh, it's it will be a sh- it's a sham. It's a joke if he's not at least a finalist. I don't know about all the Selkie contenders enough to say he's he deserves it better than anyone. From what I've seen, he's as good as anyone. He's dominating the best players in the league. I'll vote for him if I get a vote. I don't, <laughs> but he seems to deserve it to me. Well, but we'll if see. he's not a finalist, yeah. it's a fucking disgrace. Yeah. Well, we'll see because uh, we the the. Pro Hockey Writers Association just submitted votes for the midseason voting, which obviously isn't binding. It's just to give everybody an idea kind of where the players stand. And I'm, I'm very much hoping that Katuri is at least in the top three. I mean, he was my number one um, for, for Selkie. So, like, I don't... I don't know where he's going to end up, but I'm hoping he's at least in the top three, and that's where we'll get an idea of just how much momentum is around him. Because I think one of the things that really hurt him last year in the voting was that the Flyers just stunk. Yeah. You know, oh, you can't vote for a guy to win the Selkie if the team's bad, which I think is bullshit. But I do think that's how a lot of a lot of writers look at I mean, it. You can't vote for Marion Hosa because he's a winger. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah, he's the best uh, two way player in the league, but uh, he plays the wing. Like, and, and even, too bad, so sad. Yeah, and, and even today, like the 
the, the the difference between wing and center with the way the teams play in the offensive and defensive zones. Yeah, you tell zones, me what like, position Claude Giroux plays. Like there's there's a reason there's a reason no why when knows. coaches break down plays they 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 break it down as F one F two and F three. They don't break it down yeah. as center and two wings because everybody changes positions depending upon who got in the zone first and how the rush started. So yeah, there's there's no reason to to take someone out of the mix for the Selkie just because he played wing. I mean, Mark Stone's one of the best defensive That's, forwards in yeah. hockey, but. Yeah, I, I have to believe he's in the mix. I have to. I have to believe that the Flyers being good this year has people giving him a longer look than they did last year. I have to believe that. Kelly, this next uh, this next one's just for you. Bamf! Badass motherfucker mm-hmm. Brian Elliott. I know, right? Three-game win streak with a 954 save percentage. We were just hoping he would be able to hold on during the uh, during the Carter Hart injury. He's done a little more than hold on. Have we lost Kelly? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. I'll talk about Brian Elliott then. Someone should talk about Brian Elliott. So Brian Elliott is, you're absolutely right in that he he really came on after the Carter Hart injury because before that, he the, at least the numbers were bad. Especially that the, the game that really scared me was the Carolina game because they could have won that game. Like, who was it? Uh, it was Reimer that was playing on the other side? Yeah, yeah it wasn't Mirage. It wasn't Mirage. Yeah. It was Reimer. And he was bad. And Elliot, like, like the, the Hurricanes were the better team that night. They yeah. got they got more shots. They got more chances. But with how bad Reimer played, the Flyers easily could have won that game if Elliot would have just been okay. No, and you instead, saw it. instead, Elliot was basically just as bad as Reimer. Yeah, you could work. see Reimer like being shaky, but the Flyers just kept allowing goals and yeah. couldn't like take advantage because every shot was going in. And that's like in this three game win streak, nine fifty four save percentage. Elliot's previous seven games. 843. The six games before that, 932. The two before that, 833. First six of the year, 926. God damn. Just <laughs> like I, I this is what a backup goalie is. You just hope the good outweighs the bad with a backup and he's giving you right now what you really hoped he would give you when Carter Hart is either in a slump or out of the lineup for whatever reason, you can win with him. They're doing more than winning with him. He's freaking awesome now. Last night they gave up 19 shots, but he did. It's not like they had no chances. There were some big saves he made. Uh, that one in the third, I think it was Russ, Russ at the yeah. yeah like yeah, he made some big cross, saves. Crosby did like the yeah, that, beat, the blind back damn pass thing yeah. he's done like nine times yeah, in the unreal. last five games. Uh, but it, Elliot right now absolutely holding his own. I know I have criticized Brian Elliott. Uh, quite a bit over the years, so I absolutely want to point out for Kelly and all the supporters of Brian Elliott that he is playing very well right now. Uh, I want to speed this up a little because we still have more stuff. Uh, JVRG and TK. Uh, when I saw this line, I was like, I don't know about that, but um, huh. pretty, pretty good. Uh, I think Giroux has been much better at center this year. I don't think he's having... As good of a year last year, as good of a year as he did last year overall. Well, he's not. No. no. But when he's been playing center, he's been much more effective to my eyes than he was last year when I thought he was like, oh, wow, he has done it yeah. center. Yeah. Um, and think- maybe Couturier and Hayes are helping having that depth there. But, man, this line's working. Yeah, the reason why I was skeptical, skeptical about this line was because this isn't the first time they've used it. They used it a lot in the second half of last year, and it wasn't good. Like, this isn't a new thing. This is going back to an old thing that the first go-around got absolutely crushed in terms of play drive, in terms of shots. Yeah, they never had the puck. And in terms, yeah, defensively, it was a mess. Well, that, and that was why when, when they put it together, I'm like, oh, God, this is going to happen again. 
the one thing that I did have to have to you know acknowledge is that Travis Konechny is a better player this yeah. year than he was last year. And truthfully, as much shit as James Van Riemsdyk gets, and he has gone from this team defensively, he's been a lot better this year than last year. And his underlying numbers this year have been fantastic at even strength. Last year they were atrocious, so maybe. It wasn't Giroux last year who was done at center. It was just those two guys yeah. were so much of a drag defensively that no center was going to succeed with them at wing. Even Couturier might have had a slight issue. And now Giroux is more or less the same guy. It's just Konechny has taken a gigantic step forward. And JVR isn't a total disaster defensively. And boom, the line works because they always were good on the attack. It was just they spent all their time playing defense because no like Giroux isn't really a center right now. And those two guys were bad defense no, I mean if you get those three in the offensive zone like they probably know what they're doing yeah, they're, they've put up some points in this freaking league but uh, it, it was a problem getting there it hasn't been so far I'm just asking uh, do we need a JVR GTK do we need a, a name for them the alphabet line people have been going with this alphabet line I don't I don't love the alphabet line I like but, KGV but sure, personally. If, if you want to if you want to call in the alphabet line have <laughs> have at it guys uh how about like JVR man uh, in that LA game I realize it's LA but he looked like I know he's wearing 25 now but he looked like another 21 setting up uh TK with those freaking two uh primary assists he had he was distributing the puck I've never seen JVR pass like this like he has this year uh, has, he, has JVR asked to be called James? Do you know that yes. he has? Yeah. So I've, I've just noticed on the broadcast a lot, like they're just calling him James as opposed to JVR. So, Oh, I don't know if they stopped calling him. Like, I mean, I would assume you can call him JVR. Maybe he said it to the broadcasters, but people sh- did not have to stop calling him JVR. It's been his I nickname won't be for doing years. I mean, I, I mean, literally his nickname on the team is Reamer because like, yeah, yeah. like, so don't worry about it. I was just curious. He doesn't want to be called Jim. He definitely doesn't want to be called Jim. Jim is the thing. Yeah, he doesn't want to be called <laughs> Jim, Jim or Jimmy. Uh, no, it's just it's funny with with Van Reems. Like, like I know we've we've talked about this so much on the show, but like they're all streaky. The the, the goal scorers, these guys, they're all streaky. And if you can't if you can't accept the fact that a guy like James Van Reems like is a streaky player, and he's going to go through stretches where you're going to be like, where is he? And then he's going to go through stretches like this where he scores, you know, six points in five games and everything's great. Like this is just what these guys do. I'm sorry, this is who they are. And if you're going to scream and yell, you want goal scores. This is what you have to deal with to get them. Yeah, uh, we've been over that. Uh, I say it every post game because uh, you know. But I will like. I've been saying all year, I've never seen his everything else game this good. I agree with that. I, I've, yeah. I really, I, I'm a JVR defender. Maybe I'm a little biased because I'm trying to make up for the first time around when yeah. I was one of the people like, yup, Luke Shen, great trade. Well <laughs> done, Homer. Like, maybe I want to just atone for that mess. But, like, I don't know. The goal scoring, it hasn't, he hasn't been as dominant a goal scorer even when he's been hot this year. Uh, maybe with this new line, he is getting going. Uh, and, He'll have that kind of like two week stretch where it's wow, James is yeah, let's call him James. He does look like James. a James out there. James. Um the stretch passes last night. Start it with G's for that little area pass to set up uh the TK to uh JVR goal, but it seemed like they were doing a little bit a little bit more of trying to uh get behind the defense with passes rather than dump ins and they got the four check going absolutely, but They've resorted to stretch passes sometimes this year. It's not a regular part of their attack. I don't know. I just noticed it more. The broadcast pointed it out. What did everyone think of that? 
Oh, I was waiting on Kelly. I because Kelly seemed like she was very excited about this. Kelly's uh, having oh. connection. Oh, she's back. It was just yeah. It was just, and I I don't remember them doing it so many times in a single game. Um, so I don't know if that was like some pre scouting strategy or whatever, but it was just fun. I wish they did more of it. <laughs> yeah, what's interesting is this actually was kind of a hallmark of the uh, the Vino coached Rangers teams. They did a ton of stretch passes. They were a very counter attacking bunch, and it seems like you know we talked about this in the uh, in the I guess I guess it would have been the preseason. I guess it was just the off season in general. We were talking about how you know the the Vancouver Vino teams and the New York Vino teams played two different styles. You know, the Vancouver teams were more puck possession based and the Rangers teams were more counterattacking based. And we weren't sure what type of play he was going to decide was best for this team. And it seems like to my eyes that for most of the year, he's went more with the Vancouver style, you know, more of the puck possession. We talked about how their best defense has just been having the puck, not actually defending for most of the year, because when they had to defend, it's kind of got ugly sometimes. Obviously, last night was an exception, but it did seem like last night maybe was a little bit more of the Rangers style Vino, where they were a little bit more counterattacking, you know, trying to, they didn't, they didn't have the puck all the time, but when they did, they looked dangerous. I was really happy that TK pointed out Giroux's, that long area pass he made to set up that goal, because a lot of people last night in my post game were like, hey, um, JVR and TK look great. Is Drew like the third guy on this line? And <laughs> I, 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 think got, he, I think he has been so he far, has but been, he's been good. But yeah, he's doing a lot in that role. And because you're asking him to play center and do a lot of different things, maybe his role is just different now that Sean Couturier is the 1C of this team. That like, Jake Voracek is kind of, right now at least, putting up points like the guy we he's getting paid to be and things like that. And Drew is assuming a different role. I'm not saying he can't go back to being the Claude Giroux we all know and love if they ever get this power play figured out, but it's it's interesting to see it. Is Matt Murray hurt? What if he's just not that good? I, I don't, I just, he's... I think that he's just not that good. I think he's fine. Yeah, it's that one. Fine is about yeah, it. He's just, he's just not... They're yeah. giving Jerry more games because he's playing well. Yeah, I, I, it just seemed weird heading into a nine-day layoff that the Pittsburgh Penguins would play their backup goalie against the Philadelphia Flyers. Well, Jari's been the better goalie this year. I mean, it's simple as that. I think this was kind of a reward for, for the guy who is outplaying Matt Murray and going back to what me and Steph just said, I I think he's fine. I think Matt Murray's a fine goalie, but he's not the savior I mean, hopefully we're not having the same conversation about Carter Hart in two or three years, but like... If he wins his two cups, I don't yeah, give a exactly. shit. But yeah, exactly. Totally I mean, fine. When, when, when Matt Murray gets off to that great of a start yeah. of his career, you assume he's going to be the next great NHL goalie, and I think he's just okay. And when your backup goalie is playing as well as Jari's been playing, why not? How funny is that booing story? That really tickled me. I oh, really... the, the Malkin yeah, one? Well, the... Murray got booed, yeah. and Malkin was just like, you know, man, like we expect that when we're away, not at home. That's how I took it. Oh, that, was, else, that was exactly a lot. Everyone took else it. took it a different way. Some people seemed. took it as like a shot at Philly yeah. fans, and it was like, I know, you, I know, you and the media are so used to turning everything yeah. as a, as a bad thing to Philadelphia fans. That was not a bad thing to Philadelphia fans. That was just like, hey, every time we go to Philadelphia, we get the shit booed out of us, and that's expected yeah, because that's, it's Philadelphia. Yeah, that's how I took it. But yeah. I will say, like, I am an ungrateful Philadelphia fan. Like, I was 
was at Citizens Bank Park after the 08 parade when they did the thing, and I, like, straight up booed Adam Eaton and the third base coach, Steve Smith. Like, I was in Lincoln Financial Field for the banner unveiling and booed the offense when they looked like shit against the Falcons. So I am one of those ungrateful Philly fans, but that's not how I took it in that context. I don't know. I just thought it was funny. Uh, what I booed we... Dave Haxtall like well, a lot. Obviously, <laughs> uh, I just felt like that was important. To we say. don't have much time well, left. We, we have what, like five or six five, minutes? Okay, yeah, we, yeah. Started we started a little. So, late. what do we want to get to here? I want to ask: Are we worried about the nine days off? Because, God damn it, could this break come at a worse time? I don't think so. I think that they've got the right momentum going into into the break, um, and they're all they've all got some time off, and and this is a team. That does really well at home. I mean, this is the the storyline of this season. So getting to spend some more time with their families is not going to hurt them. Okay. All right. So there's two sides of this for me. The first side of it is that, no, I'm not worried because I think it's a good thing for a, a good number of the guys on this team to be getting this break. Obviously, Justin Braun's just coming back from injury. I'm convinced that Matt Niskanen is gassed. Oh, yeah. Um, Joel Farabee, I think, is going to benefit from this break. Even though he's on a run, I think he's he's a little tired. You think, I think he, he benefited from having that, that, that day off that no one really wanted him to have because of the cap situation. Obviously, Carter Hart is, is coming back from injury. That's going to help him. Shane Gossesbury is coming back from injury. So... I think this break is timed well from an injury and fatigue standpoint, so I'm happy they're getting it. On the other side, I absolutely believe they're going to come back and lose a few games because the way this season has gone this year, whenever we think things are at its best, they get bad. And then whenever we think things are awful, they get good. So I'm fully expecting they're going to lose the back-to-back right out of the break, and, and, then, we're, and then we're all going to lose our minds again. That's, but like that doesn't have to do with the break. That just has to do with this team. And like how this fucking schedule, and that was an excuse they kept making for Pittsburgh last night. Oh, there's schedule are you kidding me yeah, our schedule are you freaking kidding me pittsburgh schedule the flyers come out of a nine day break and go to pittsburgh and then the next day are home against colorado yeah and, 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 and are I, you kidding yeah, me with this yeah. fucking schedule and, and, and I, I i did say the the, the word hour yeah. i can say hour because i have you're to work, on it. i have to yeah. work all these you're days. on that schedule, the schedule yeah. sucks <laughs> um a weird thing that did get pointed out to me in my post game last night, Steph, you mentioned how they're good at home, so they I might I mean, be... that's the whole storyline yeah, of this that's, entire that's what the season. season is, how crazy it is. But really, it's the road trips. In road games uh, that are that take place in a string of three or more on the road, they're 2-11 and 2. When they only have one or even two in a row on the road and then come back home, they're 8-2 and 0. They're not bad if they don't have to stay away. So things could be looking up because February 11th to the 15th is the... I said it right again. Yeah, you did. I've been been working on this. I'm shocked. You've been practicing. The 11th to the 15th of the second month of this year is the only remaining three-game road trip. Uh, They're at the Islanders, at the Panthers, at Tampa Bay. Every other road trip is two or fewer games. So... They could go on that little point increase that I talked about just based on they haven't been that bad if they haven't had to stay away for a long time. 
Well, my point with their road issues was that a lot of it has just come down to having really shitty circumstances. You know, they had, as I said, that first, the first road trip they stunk at was, was there right after they came back from Europe when they bizarrely had to come back for their home opener and then go right back on the road to the West Coast again. Then they had the Limblom trip, which again, not going to fault them for that one. And then like whatever is, whatever is up with this Christmas trip, they, 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 they always suck at it. They always suck at it. So like, those are your three big trips. And yeah, they were terrible on those trips. I don't know if if the way those trips played out, if that's predictive of how they're going to be on future trips because they were weird. And I think this plays into what you're saying, where when they've only went on the road for one or two days, one or two games, they're fine. Because yeah. I don't think this road thing is like there's an inherent flaw that makes them worse on the road. I just think those road trips were just bad for a lot of reasons. Are they going to get this power play fi- figured out? No. 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 It's so easy. <laughs> It should mm-hmm. be so easy. I, I, I hate them. Like, I just spent this it's, whole podcast being pretty positive, and then you bring up the power play, and I, I hate I just, them. like, last night, uh, listen, in their, last, uh, in their last five games, they're four for 14, which is like 29%. That's something. I've liked the, the double net front thing. I, as far as, I, I wrote this article, I guess it would have been, was it this week? Was it early? No, it was, must have been last week when I wrote the article saying that like the no Flyers are, that, that the Flyers are just like going full Galaxy Brain in terms of fixing the power play. As far as Galaxy Brain thinking goes, I actually kind of like the double net front idea. I think it's unique. I think it, it takes advantage of the fact that JVR still has good hands in front, but just hasn't been able to finish. It's like all right, get in the puck and in he can front make and that cross and then let him, play. let him yeah. pass to connect. And he was also at the net front. So as far as the Galaxy Brain ideas go, I don't mind that one. At the same time, I still don't know why you're consisting on, you know, not doing what worked for years and years and years. Maybe, like, is it possible they're saving it for the playoffs? they're not. Like, secret weapon, boom, here's the real power play. No? No. Okay. I think it was uh, Fletcher went on uh, Bill Meltzer and Chris Terrian's podcast, and Meltzer asked him about it, and Fletcher basically said that he thought that the power play the first half of last year was terrible, and that was with the old style. Which is fair, it didn't score much, but it was still generating a shitload of shots and chances. They just couldn't seem to get in the back of the net. And like, could that mean that the rest of the league figured it out over that three-month period and it was never going to work again? Maybe. To me, it's way more likely that it worked for seven years, they went through a a two-and-a-half-month period where they were just getting ridiculously bad luck, and then we overreacted to a crazy degree, and now have decided it just doesn't work anymore. Overreaction? <laughs> Never. <laughs> that's uh, that's my stance. And now again, like I wanna I wanna bookend this show. I wanted to be positive the whole time. I was so pumped up last night. I started saying how annoyed I was that the story of the day was fucking gritty. So to bookend what should have been our day of jubilee. Patrick Kane's game six overtime Stanley oh, Cup winner has been sake. named the goal of the decade. Well, I want to die. Of course it did. <laughs> <laughs> because all, all that all the hockey world is meant to do. It wasn't even a good goal. It wasn't. I will like uh, an overtime walk off for the cup is uh, it's it's not a good goal, but it's the most dramatic circumstance I guess we've had this decade. Like there's not a goal that you can say like wow that I, I don't know like in the playoffs I. I it, I wouldn't pick it because it's the worst goddamn goal that's ever been allowed. Was that the award it should win? Michael Layton should live in shame and in hiding over it for the rest of his life. But oh, best AHL goalie of all time. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to think if there's like another goal that because there's def- there's been far better. Every, goals. I said it's the worst goal ever allowed today, and everyone pointed to the Steve Mason, you know, full ice goal that he allowed. Well, but I that mean, didn't lose the cup. 
It didn't lose the cup. It was a bad goal, but it ended his tenure here. Did, did it? he come back after that? I thought he did. Yeah, no, I think yeah, he, was he did here come back. He was here the next. Didn't the uh, didn't the Kings win one of their cups in overtime? They win it in. Overtime? I feel like they won one of their cups in the, the the second cup against the Rangers. I think they won it overtime. Granted, it was only I believe it was only game five, but that was a series where was like that the every, goalie interference every goal? single one of the games went into overtime, and the, the the Kings just happened to basically win yeah. them all. So I don't think it was the only walk off, if I remember correctly. I'd have to go back and look on that. To me, and I mean this is only slightly less painful than the Patrick Kane goal, but at least like it wasn't done by a shitty person. To me, the obvious best goal of the decade, and this is setting aside from the NHL, the obvious best goal of the decade is Crosby in the gold medal game. I mean, that that is that, that is the goal of the decade. That was 2010. It's, it's yeah. not NHL. It's just hockey. But that's the goal of the decade. I mean, it's the gold medal game in overtime. The best, the best player, player in the league yeah. scores it. Like, that's the goal of the decade. Sorry, it sucks that it's Crosby, but it's the goal of the decade. All right. I don't, uh, I don't disagree. I think that could be it. Hey, yo. That's um, fine for me. Crosby's uh, overtime against the Oilers like a year or two ago is up there for me. I mean, my goal of the decade is Claude Drew at the start of game six of 2012. That's my yeah. goal of the decade. Oh, God. But like 2012. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's my goal. I, I don't think that's the goal of the decade. That's my goal of the decade. All right. <laughs> All right, fam, that is all the time we have for you this week on BSH Radio. Thank you all for hanging out. Thank you for listening. Uh, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. Hit subscribe. You'll get this and so much other content delivered directly to all your devices. Uh, yeah, that's it. So for Kelly, for Charlie, for Steph, my name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. 